0: This is episode fifty-five of the National Restaurant Owners Podcast with Daniela Senor, the CEO at the Clotta Shop.
1: Yeah, I think people want to see a lot more than food these days, right? It's like yeah. the food gets you so much, yet it's the product that you work so hard to produce. But there's also they also want to know what you're doing, what you know. Um, how you go around your day, what your team does, who's behind the brand, like, what do you support? Like, if you're doing things for your neighborhood or, you know, nonprofits.
0: This is the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle and Sarah. And look, I have learned everything I've learned in the restaurant business by doing it the hard way. I've learned by making mistakes. I've learned by losing money. I've learned by losing partners. And I'm here to share those experiences with you so you don't have to experience any of that. So whether it's scaling your business, learning how to be more efficient in your day-to-day operations, or just stay in the know with COVID reopening strategies, My goal is to provide as much value as humanly possible, particularly as we get going in this new year, 2021. But before we get started, I want to let you know that you can find the full video of each episode on my YouTube channel, along with several other videos featuring restaurant related tips and insight. Now let's get into this week's episode. One of the key things I learned in running my own restaurant is that you can't do everything. You think you can do everything, but you can't, right? You could do the payroll, but it's probably not the best use of your time. You know, you you could do the, the bookkeeping, but that's probably not also the best use of your time. There are, there are professionals for that. The same goes for your real estate site selection. It is something that should be left to the professionals. And I'm very, very grateful, guys, that my team at Saber Advisors has offered now to sponsor the show because... I can speak to exactly what we do. And it just, I feel like it's a service that needs to be out into the world. And that's not just because I do it, but because the system and the technology that exists and helping you identify your core customer, whether it be in your local market, your regional market, or in uh, other markets across the country, the technology is mind blowing and it makes the process so much more. I don't want to say easy, but it makes it so much more clear. It helps you target those areas where your customer is already going, right? Like that's the idea. So why don't you do this? Send me a DM at Kyle and Sarah or text me at 914-996-4569. And we can set up a Zoom call to talk about exactly how it works. There's a lot of detail here. I only got two minutes to read this thing. So it it is worth the 15 minutes just to get on the phone and hear how it works. It is going to be something you can take off your plate so you can focus on doing exactly what it is that you do best, which is running your restaurant. So DM me at Kyle and Sarah on Instagram or text me 914-996-4569 and we can talk about how my team at Sabre can help you identify your next opportunity. You know what I'm looking for guests for the show or concepts to kind of, track down who's behind them and you know it's it's not always you know such a clear process i'm really just going by intuition and what i see online which is what everybody's doing by the way so take notes if you're a restaurant owner and if you really want to know how to do it if you ask me the colada shop and my guest today daniela senior really do an insanely good job on their digital presence, uh, including their social media, their website, uh, et cetera. And it's um, the reason why I asked her to be on the show. I mean, it stands out and it makes a difference. So uh, check them out um, at Colada Shop on Instagram, and you'll get an idea of what I think the ideal restaurant social media should look like. I have admittedly never been here, got a plan to head down to D.C. uh, in the spring, and we'll absolutely be swinging by to catch up with Daniela and the crew over there. But take a look at their Instagram. It's not just static pictures of their food. It is a mix of reels, of videos, um, pictures of their glassware, of their drinks, of their to-go, of their staff, of their guests. It is a very well-rounded and well-branded look and feel, which is incredibly important. And I just... Coincidentally, was talking to one of my previous guests, one of my good friends, Claudia. Uh, um, she does a bunch of branding uh, for restaurants, and she said since the pandemic, her business has doubled. So that's how important restaurants are starting to realize branding and marketing is. And um, yeah, you should you should get on it. Check out the Colada Shop and get it get a feel for what what you should be doing with your content. So uh, without further ado, without further to-do, without further ado, (laughs) whatever it is, this is Daniela Senor, the CEO of The Colada Shop. Check it out. Okie dokie. All right, guys, welcome back to the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. We have Daniela Senor from The Colada Shop in DC. Daniela, thanks for getting up this morning and talking with us.
1: Absolutely. Pleasure being here.
0: So I know one of my first misconceptions about the colada shop was that it was piña coladas and things like that. Please explain to everybody exactly what a colada shop is.
1: Sure. So I'm not going to lie. It's kind of by default. It's so really <laughs> um, in a way that's not, we're, we did not inspire a name from a piña colada, but we knew that was going to come up and we're like, ah, it doesn't hurt us, right? Um, colada is actually a traditional Cuban coffee meant to be shared. It's actually approximately about four shots of espresso that's uh, sweetened with what we call Cuban crema, but it's basically um, in stovetop percolators. Uh, as as soon as the coffee's coming up, that first um, drip of coffee, it's mixed in with sugar, and you kind of create this crema. and it basically that's how you sweeten the coffee and it has a very rich history has to do when basically all the businesses that were private were forced to close in cuba people you know still needed coffee to really get through their day and (laughs) um through the people's windows in their houses they started selling coffee as a means to make money but also obviously there was a demand for the working class just going around and needing that perk me up so um, because these stovetop um, coffee makers are really not a single shot of espresso like you'll find in a commercial setting, especially at the time, Every time it would pull, it would pull about four shots. So then um, they would serve this with tiny cups and it, people would share them around and it became a very social, um and just kind of giving nature of coffee and, and perk me up in the afternoon and honestly that's really what drives our business and uh it to me um i grew up in dominican republic part of my family is cuban but um really it became a thing about just that moment where you share with friends you share with your family uh you have a meeting doesn't matter but it's actually kind of a different uh, side of coffee culture meant more to slow down rather than to speed up, if that makes sense. So that's where our name comes from. But it's my, the too.
0: <laughs> So you speed up a little bit with the caffeine, but that's, I'm, oh, I'm for all for sure. that. So, <laughs> you know, in, in looking at your brand and, and everything that, you know, is online, it certainly seems like you guys have, you know, something that I think is super important for brands to connect to and, and hopefully brought to light for, you know, restaurants during this time is you've taken traditional Cuban food. Is it all Cuban or is it just Latin inspired? It's
1: mainly Cuban. I would say 90%. And then once in a while, we introduce a little bit of some Caribbean uh, items from other islands as well. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, to me, it looked like traditional Cuban food or that was sort of like freshened up, like had a little twist to it. Was that, was that the intent was to kind of bring it all together and then give it a little twist or...
1: Yeah, Sure. So how we approach things is authentic, but not traditional in the way that we, every item we bring to the menu, we look at the roots of the ingredients, how they're used, if they grow in the island or in the area. And, uh, but, you know, ultimately, the reality is that access to great ingredients is not something that happens on a daily basis in Cuba, right? So we wanted to bring some authenticity on the history of how things are made, but using the best ingredients we could find and also kind of giving it a little twist, you know, um, me and our chef partner, Mario Monte, we both went to CIA, both have a culinary background. And so that was something very important to us that we showcase, um, basically Cuba as if it would have never been shut down, right. If it would have been have access to all the things that we have access to. So, that's, that's really kind of our mantra when we're trying to come up with uh, items and our branding and how we showcase um, the products.
0: So that in, in that, I mean, just just I mean, if you guys take a look at her, the Instagram for the brand and the coloring and everything. I mean, it seems like it's a real experience. It's more than just a place to go grab a cup of coffee or, you know, your format also lends itself to like a nighttime crowd. Talk about how you kind of came up with that all day model.
1: Yeah, so we call this uh, an all-day affair, right? And it really came about, uh, before opening Colada, I was consulting and traveling a lot through the U.S. And I kind of really was with my laptop, running around. um, And it really bothered me that I would like, okay, in the morning, go to a coffee shop. And great, the coffee was great. In the morning, you grab your muffin or your bagel. And then I'm still kind of running around, doing meetings, and it's like lunchtime hits. I don't really feel going Mm -hmm. to like a fast casual setting because I can't really work there or a full service restaurant because again, you're interrupted by the servers and so forth. And just doesn't really allow you to kind of do what you're doing, like taking calls, meeting people. But again, I don't want a a coffee anymore or a bagel. So it really became how we could create this space that um, was an all day thing, and that people felt comfortable no matter the situation we I hear it all the time we're like one of like premiere first time date spots because it's very casual. You kind of come in have a drink if it's not working out, you kinda can <laughs> you know bounce easily yeah um, so and we also do do that through really the decor and um you know even though we serve a lot of coffee. We don't have the big traditional kind of espresso makers, our uh, coffee machines, our mod bars that resemble like beer tap handles, our music changes are, as well as our lighting through the day. So we not only carry through with products, but also with ambience. So music is a huge thing for us. So that also kind of the morning is a little bit more mellow and starts picking up as we kind of go... Uh, through the day and you know kind of blending it with the light so it's it's a lot of components uh, that we bring in and also our menu uh, that again we do have the Cuban pastries for the morning and the breakfast sandwiches but then we have the Cubanos and uh, we have our Santiago bowls which are heavier dishes as well so you kind of can eat dinner, you can eat lunch, you can eat breakfast. We kind of have a little <laughs> bit of everything.
0: You can live there, basically. Yeah, and, and of course,
1: a uh, full cocktail menu. That's actually, you there know, you are. our that's yeah it. big focus for us. Yeah, you know, we call it like, The
0: the the colada condominiums are going to be coming next. You guys just like live, work, and play the whole space. So oh,
1: that sounds fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I write that one down. These so, um, you know, it's amazing to me how many. I mean it actually sounds like you were pretty well built for what's like on the other side of this whole thing, right? Like, cause that's a lot of these things are what brands are trying to pivot to now, like offering an mm-hmm. experience. Should they add different day parts? Should they allow people to hang out in their space and, and do like work and stuff? I mean, have you tweaked any of that, what you just mentioned during this time or was that kind of the idea going into it?
1: That has been the idea. We have pivoted like everyone else, uh, you know, adding some other service elements like, you know, QR code ordering at the tables, a kiosk, so, you know, to accommodate people that want more social distancing. Um, And but you know, as far as that to go model, we've always had that implemented and our food travels very well. So I think fortunately, we have been kind of set up for that somewhat. But obviously have incorporated some changes to adapt to the times and make sure that we you know keep not only people engaged with us but us engaged with the people because through this time of open close open close that hospitality what we actually call cubanism component of our brand and which is the lifestyle how You know, how we say hello to you when you come in and just like that smile, like being able to translate that beyond, you know, a QR code and a kiosk is something, you know, it's a different thing. So, uh, we've come up with some classes that we've done, try to do some like more Instagram lives to kind of connect with people, little notes on their to-go orders, some things like that. And then, um, also like chef driven meals that, you know, our chef will cook, uh, for your home, um on you know a weekly basis like putting out like more like family style dinners things like that that we didn't have before so yeah we've we've kept busy for sure
0: but that's, um that's an interesting point and it's you know obviously your branding like I mentioned before kind of caught my eye but people miss or operators miss that point that branding is also your culture and I noticed you have an emphasis on culture and some of the stuff I read about you. How do you in how do you go about infusing that you're very specific, right? Like in terms of how you greet people, how you say goodbye or, or any of those things. How do you go about infusing that? And how do you go about, you know, you know, finding the right staff for that? It's not that's not easy task.
1: Yeah, I think how I always present it to the staff is asking them like a question like, who would you be most excited to have in your house? Like to come visit you and how would you treat them? You know, and that's how I want you to treat every single person that comes in here. You know, it's like we we don't we don't call them customers. We call them guests or guests in our home. And just really, I think it's kind of like automatic, like if people, if you start with that and kind of remind keep reminding them, it's like, who's the most important person, like for you that you want to come to your home and visit you and how you would treat them, how, how far would you go to make them feel comfortable? Uh, what, you know, going that extra step, is just something that we kind of really instill every day. And it's honestly obvious. It's not something that you can teach. I feel like it's, um, and we actually hire more for that quality than for skill and then the skills we can teach, right. Um, that hospitality component of being, uh, naturally just nice to people wanting that willingness to help them and make their day better, not necessarily. So that's kind of one of our, um, Key things we look out for when we're hiring.
0: Yeah, I think not necessarily it almost translates into like impossible, right? Like that's you can't all of a sudden make somebody a genuine, warm, hospitable person. Like they either are, or they aren't. I think, right? I agree. Yeah. With, with our restaurant, we used to like tell the managers to look for staff. Don't just look at staff at other restaurants. You know, you could re, you can run into somebody at a gas station that has a great personality that might be a great host for you or something like that. So uh, I I'm, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big believer in that. Um, so you see, you have these different, you have three different locations right now, right? You have Sterling, you have the Wharf and you have one other?
1: Uh, yeah, so we have 14th Street. The, the um, Sterling location, we are currently um, moving to another uh, place in Virginia, which we haven't disclosed yet. So that one's not open at the moment, but we are in the process of moving that this year. Uh, and then we do have 14th Street in D.C., and then we have the Wharfs also in D.C., and we're currently um, about to open soon in another location in Potomac, Maryland.
0: Very nice. So what what did you pick the D.C. market for this concept?
1: Well, honestly, that's kind of where I ended up living. Um, so after school, I um, moved to D.C. for another job opportunity, and then after that, I ended up working with Jose Andres for uh, approximately five years. And he oh, definitely man. helped me like shape me. He's definitely someone I consider to be one of my mentors. So became very familiar while working with him with this market, um, and kind of really became my home. So it it just was natural on for you know for us and my team to just really open here. And there was also a great demand. Um, one thing that I definitely saw, like, unlike other markets, like Miami, for example, is that anything Latin here, wasn't really highlighted in, um, let's call it more presentable way, you know, I really wanted to showcase that Latin culture is beyond cuban culture just latin culture in general is beyond hole in the wall restaurants right mm-hmm. it's like they are very fun they have a whole culture behind them they're also very colorful and classy and fun so that uh i really saw that opportunity dc being a very a place that sees a lot of people come and go i th- i thought it was really a great place to expose them to that
0: that's great i mean it's sort of like going where i mean it's like looking where because I would think that a concept like this, people would say, oh, you should go to a Miami or you should go to certain parts of New York, but it's finding that spot where it's not, which I think is really, did you guys experience any sort of resistance or growing pains? I mean, how, how long did it take for the concept to really catch on?
1: Honestly, I'm, I'm fortunate to say no. Like I think we were very much embraced line at the door from the moment that we opened. So that was great to see. I think there was a big demand Um, because there are a lot of, uh, Latinx people here as well as like people with Latin heritage and people that, one thing that we saw a lot, is like people traveling to Miami and having that nostalgia factor and not being able to find those products here or, um, you know, kind of right, right around the same time that we opened the borders kind of like with Cuba open. So some people were traveling or performing their travels to Cuba, so like yeah, it was, it was great timing. And, and so, yeah, so we were kind of able to meet that nostalgia factor from trips and just also from, um, people's background and heritage. So yeah. And it's something that I found myself like looking for living here and not finding, right. It's like, I couldn't wait to get to Miami and get to the airport to kind of like get my fix, Mm -hmm. but yeah.
0: So you kind of just brought it home with you. That's smart. Um, in, in regards to like, some of these pivots that we were talking about before. The pickup and delivery component has been a big thing. Third-party delivery, should you do it? Should you offer your own? Where does the Kolata shop stand on that stuff? How are you guys currently doing your pickups and your deliveries?
1: So we try to like, through our website and social media, we try to direct um, our guests through orders through our own platform, but (laughs) we do still um, are partaking in third-party platforms. How I feel about them, uh, I think that the model's really not uh, great for restaurants at all. I think you should always try to call and pick up or you know order through the restaurant's own site. you know the the fees that are incurred are incredibly high. some Some states are trying to cap them, but uh, it's still not very clear to the consumer or you know even to the restaurants what the fees actually come out to be. Um, the tipping is something that's kind of completely eliminated because all the tips left in those platforms go to the driver and none of the tips goes to the restaurant workers, which are actually producing those meals and putting them together. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it's a challenging scenario because, you know, obviously people want food, they want it quick and it's very hard for restaurants to create their own infrastructure to be able to deliver it to everyone, um, uh, at the same time, especially on peak times. Right. Um, but it's kind of like, it's, it's one of those things that at this point, I feel it's a necessary evil, but by evil, I hope mm. that they try to be a little bit more friendly, uh, towards restaurants. And just, I think that can be really achieved by a little bit of clarity and transparency in the fees and the you know, consumers understanding what actually they're paying for.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, I actually sit on this this panel that talks to the Federal Trade Commission about this stuff, and it's pretty unreal what they've been able to get away with so far, and and the mm-hmm. pandemic has brought to light some of their practices. I mean, they're literally putting concepts on their platform that never signed up. I know. And have no idea, and, it's, and they're taking That happened
1: to us, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're like, we're not in this platform. How and they just showed happen? up in the store? Yeah, they just show up, and then they show up, and then they pay with their own credit cards, you know, and you're like, what is this? You know, yeah. And then they're trying to place orders that make no sense because they don't know what they're ordering, right? Because yeah. it's coming from another person. And yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: No, yeah I mean, you know, like one of the things that they've, you know, are focused on, they've already started doing, which is terrible. And I don't know how many people, I mean, I talk about it quite a bit, but they're like taking that customer data. And then sort of like, if they decide, like there's a strong concentration of, of people who are ordering Cuban food in that area, and they find a need or a desire, they'll open up a ghost kitchen that'll just sell Cuban sandwiches and noches and things like that. Oh, to- really? Yeah, so they're so just like with those, like the Grubhub Uber Eats and stuff, that they are, you know, you don't get the data. Like you may see mm-hmm. that like Kay and Sarah gets this, but you don't know my email address, you don't know my address or anything like that. Okay. They They have it and they'll directly market their new concept to you. So if they see that I order a Cuban sandwich once a week, they may say, hey, we see that you like Cuban sandwiches, try ours, and it's, yeah, it's really deceitful.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of an unfortunate scenario, but to be honest, I think, you know, we were doing a lot of delivery prior to the pandemic. I'm glad to see that these things are being brought to light now that they're affecting, like, a much larger uh, segment of restaurants. Um, So, you know, I I say like some there is a lot of bad things that have happened during the pandemic, but I actually think that's kind of one of the great things is like, you know, unmasking some things that are just really not good good business practices and you kind of fell fall in this disadvantage of like well it's i'm cursed if i do i'm cursed if i don't right because if you don't offer delivery then your customer as uh, are reduced significantly especially during this time but then if you do then your margins are basically gone so yeah yeah it's
0: a wild scenario and I, I i don't know if you watched the super bowl yesterday but they hadn't they i think it was grubhub and doordash both had very highly produced commercials
1: and Uber Eats.
0: Yeah. And it's like, Oh yeah. The Uber Eats one was the, uh, yeah. yeah. Like You're taking all this money that these restaurants gave you to throw it back in their face that now you're going to out-communicate them on the biggest platform of the year. I mean, I thought that was insane.
1: Yeah. I agree.
0: But it's your point. You have to be able to do it because if you don't deliver, right. Or if you're not on the platform, it's tougher to get those customers. So Mm -hmm. I'm optimistic that there'll be a way to work around that.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know in New York, but like in D.C., I know there were some regulations passed to cap the fees, but how they're getting around it is, well, that's only on our basic form. So you know how like DoorDash has Dash Pass and Uber Eats has Uber Eats Pass. So if you participate on those, which people are already obviously paying for because they're getting a lot of delivery, uh, then that doesn't apply. So that's how they're getting around it. So they're like trying to just like, even even though I think, Governments trying to do something about it. They're really like, well, if you're not part of this, you can get those fees. But if you want to participate in this, which again, it's kind of like the best, you know, the larger market. Yeah, I know. It's, it's fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, really like so it. now that you guys have have sort of figured out your concept and you know the direction that you you want to go with with some of the some of the culture stuff and the to go stuff, how have like how have you decided to position the brand moving forward? like have has the strategy changed since since the pandemic, or like are you focused maybe on doing more catering, ghost kitchens, food trucks? Have any of those things kind of like crossed your mind in doing?
1: So one of the things that we just launched and um has been more of a line of retail products, right? So people are more at home, they're cooking more at home, spending more time. Uh, also, a way for us to kind of diversify um, slightly. So, we have uh, prepackaged now like plantain chips. So, we, uh, we have these mojito matcha cookies, our dog cookies, which are guava and peanut butter, which I can't tell you, like, we have a lot of dog oh, um, yeah. cookies. <laughs> <laughs> and um, as well as like some uh, sauces that we use to produce our products. So, we have our guava barbecue, our salsa verde. Uh, so these items, we have added them to like our shelves within stores and our grab and goes, but also I uh, have started to sell them at some other like convenient, smaller convenience stores. So uh, we are trying that right now. So kind of more of a CPG line and just trying to get our brand out there in other ways. And so um, get people happy, I guess. Ultimately. You're on it. Man, you're, that's,
0: I mean, that's, some, that's not easy to do. I mean, are you producing those things out? in-house or do you have like a co-packer that handles that stuff? No, you? we're
1: still producing it in-house. Um, you know, right now we're not there yet. It's yeah. also we're kind of using it as an R and D phase to see, um, what products sell the most and then really hopefully taking that into the whole, you know, whole next level and really get into whole foods and other, other, uh, groceries.
0: Yeah. That's very cool. So aside from the CPG stuff, have you, you know, one of the big things that a lot of operators have done is kind of like transform their digital presence, transform their website. Have you guys taken a different approach to your social media or your digital marketing since, since this time, since the pandemic?
1: I think from a digital marketing standpoint, we've just tried to like overly communicate, um, trying to really post more videos and reels just again, to have more of that human element and, showcase our team as well that's working so hard behind you know our stores um but not we don't we haven't seen a huge shift uh from our end in that regards because i guess that we were kind of this is what we are and um i know a lot of people are trying to become from a restaurant standpoint more casual more approachable but that's just again from our our inception this is who we are this is what we want to continue to be so um you know, from a social media standpoint, it's just making sure that we are still connecting with everyone and taking more, more, you know, being a little bit more active since people are not able to be with us in person as much.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a, that's an important point. I think so many restaurant owners were like, well, I can connect with my customers, but if they're not coming in the door and you don't know how to pick up your phone and make a video, you're kind of, I mean, that's, it was a huge opportunity. I think a huge miss by a lot of Mm -hmm. concept. There's kind of like, shut it down or just kept posting pictures of their food the whole time.
1: Yeah. I think people want to see a lot more than food these days, right? It's like yeah. the food gets you so much. Yes. It's the product that you work so hard to produce, but there's also, they also want to know what you're doing, what, you know, um, how you go around your day, how, what your team does, who's behind the brand. Like, what do you support? Like if you're doing things for your neighborhood or, you know, nonprofits, like we've, worked a lot through this pandemic with world central kitchen and getting people fed and now with getting hospitality workers fed, like things of that nature. It's just like that really engages people. And sometimes I think a lot of restaurants don't realize that people are super interested in the smaller stuff, not just on the final product. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also just so much of the final product you can like push out there, but they might, love to see the person, you know, cutting the onions that's going into the dish and learning a little bit about their background and yeah. who they are, you know, so it's just, yeah, there's different ways of keeping people engaged. And I think people are really interested in getting to know um, that as much as a product.
0: I was talking to somebody about this the other day. And it's kind of like, you know, trying to get the point across to them. It's like, you know, Kim Kardashian could post a 1000 pictures a day, on Instagram, it's never going to be as popular as the show was, right? Like that behind the scenes stuff is what people like. And it's so yeah, it's odd true. to me that people consume it, but they won't do it for their own brands. Like, they're not comfortable. And I get there's like some comfortability, but yeah, I think that's great when you like go with the chef home and look at his house or yeah, the story of the guy who's been, you know, making your coffee for the last, you know, three to five years, that's a really cool thing where they're from. I love stuff like that. Yeah. So, I don't want to keep it too long. I'm sure you got a busy Monday. I do have a segment of the show that might put you on the spot a little bit. It's called, you look pretty unflappable, so I'm not worried about it. It's called overrated, underrated. Okay. So you just have to tell me like a one-liner. You can go a little bit deeper if you want, but they're meant to be like a couple words, one-liners. Just your take on these culturally relevant, maybe, Cuban inspired questions that I have. All right.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. Overrated or underrated? TikTok.
1: Overrated. Over- I, yeah. All right. Overrated.
0: <laughs> Super Bowl commercials.
1: This year I think they were overrated. Overrated. Yeah, yeah. good point.
0: This year. Plant based menu items.
1: Underrated
0: underrated did you guys pivoted did you guys have a bunch of i see i know you have some plant-based stuff now was that always the case
1: yeah it's it's always been the case we've uh tried uh, especially like with croquetas for example it's very hard to see and find them and a vegetarian but we we put a lot of emphasis in that and just making sure that we can uh have are able to broaden the people that you know we serve and it's just that's that's part of it and just people's also like diet changes throughout so we, you know
0: yeah no that's that's smart because i too many people i was just talking again somebody about why they don't change their menu and they're like well people love it i'm like well they don't love it enough i mean you gotta it's been 10 years you know, yeah in this
1: <laughs> day and age you kind of have to keep people's attention and keep bringing them back. So we try to do uh, four changes a year on like, uh, like seasonal changes, at least that were beyond the specials for like, Valentine's Day and stuff like that. And we always make it a point that we're bringing in uh, more vegetarian or vegan options to the table because I think the market for it is definitely broadening. But also they just taste delicious. You
0: know, yeah, I know. Like better I mean,
1: for that environment.
0: I have a uh, buddy of mine who helps me with some video stuff, and he's a vegan Jamaican dude. and He's vegan, and he's like Kyle. The problem is, like, I go out to eat with my buddies. I gotta go where they want to go. I they're not gonna come to my vegan restaurant. So he's like, if we can find a place that's in the middle where they can get what they want and I can get what I want, those are the places we go to. I thought that was an interesting take on yeah. it. Yeah, mango. All right, guava, overrated or underrated?
1: Underrated. I like guava and everything. So I don't know <laughs> even in even in our dog cookies. <laughs> I'm say that
0: Man, Dogs yeah, are on We cook, have, so I try we have guava.
1: One. Yeah, and guava prosa, Guava pastries. <laughs> yeah, we we have it in some. Yeah, a, a lot of items. It's kind of like it just it has what people don't realize. Like guava has a sweet component, but it also has like the acid component, which brightens up a lot of the dishes and and food. Yeah, that guava barbecue.
0: That's the yeah. one? That's the jam? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, last question. Overrated or underrated virtual restaurant brands?
1: I, I'm going to say overrated. I get, I get why people are doing them, but I really don't see the longevity. I think I once that pandemic is done, they'll be done as well. I think <laughs> when you can't find where your food's coming from and it's just like, it's kind of like you don't want to go that place that serves sushi and, you know, um, Thai, Chinese, Cuban, Latin. Why? Because you know you're not going to get the best because you're yeah. not focused on one thing. That's kind of how I feel about um, virtual restaurants. It's just like, who are you really? What? There's no substance, right? Like there's like no soul behind them. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm gonna I, say overrated.
0: I agree. I, I I think of operators like you, right? So you have such a strong commitment to your brand, to your concept, to your culture, to your vibe, your energy, that whole thing. So you're successful. That means you have to prey on people who are not successful, and they're probably not successful for a reason. Why are we trusting them to make more food? I don't understand that. Like I don't. See so I looked up just curious of like that Mr. Beast thing. Have you seen that guy? He had like 58 million. This guy has 58 million subscribers on YouTube.
1: Oh. He
0: launched 300 virtual burger concepts in one day. Yeah. And so I was just sitting on the couch yesterday waiting for the Super Bowl to start basically. And I mm-hmm. looked up Mr. Beast and one of the places that's making them is a gas station. And I'm like, no. Okay. Yeah. No, No, thanks. And-
1: yeah. And the thing is, like, how do you really, let's say you have these, mister I'm going to look this up afterwards, but let's say you have this Mr. Beast. It's like, okay, you have a gas station. How are you really monitoring quality at that point? Great. Then you have, great marketing presence, because you have 58 million subscribers, but how are you actually monitoring this? Oh, they got recipes, like we all know, if you know, restaurants, you know, it's way beyond recipes, you know, people get recipes in their house, right with books, and they can come up with very different results, right? And it takes a lot more than that. So that's kind of insane and definitely don't you know wish him the best but definitely yeah. don't see longevity in that yeah
0: and if, and if we're thinking like we're talking about like plant-based good for the environment like healthier options things like that every one of these things are frozen there's no way you're getting like bread delivered daily for your virtual concept meat delivered like four times a week mm-hmm. for your virtual. yeah so i'm with you on that awesome that was fun um it
1: sounds kind of like the jetsons like you know, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Dang, like or oh, those burgers yeah. in a bag, remember those like horrible things you ever see? Those <laughs> that's what it oh, reminds god.
1: me. god, yes, oh, no. Cool.
0: Um oh, all right, so wrapping up the show, just wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk about where you're at, where your store hours are, where everybody can find you.
1: Sure. So we're currently um have two locations open, one on 14th Street and one at the wharf in Washington, DC. We are open from 8.30 a.m. to 9.00 p.m. daily. So please come find us for your coffee, for your sandwiches, for your bowls. Uh, And again, we have uh, such amazing new pantry items that we just launched for you, help you cook at home as well. So, you know, hope to see you sometime soon. That's awesome.
0: Thank you so much, Danielle. I appreciate your time.
1: Thank you, Kyle. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. bye bye
0: All right, guys, that is a wrap on episode 55 with Daniela Senor from The Colada Shop. Go and check them out on Instagram. Like I said, um, they're the ones. Copy what they do, right? You know, they just get a feel for how it works. And, um, you know, it's always a good idea to see what the industry leaders are doing. And you can really kind of pick it apart and apply your own your own concept to that sort of template and look and feel. So uh, also guys, this is the part of the show where I ask you, please go to iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform you listen on and give us a rating, throw a rating out there, throw a comment, even if you don't like the show. So you know what? I don't like it because of this, because then we can always improve on it. And also please head over to, instagram and give us a follow Uh, i'm gonna be dropping some more videos on there of the guests links to shows and believe it or not we are going to be launching our own website and platform very very soon so stay tuned there give us a follow turn on the post notifications you'll see what's up and as always feel free to text me if you have any questions comments or want to see any particular guest on the show we will do our best to make that happen all right guys 914-996-4569 Thank you again for checking out the episode. I appreciate your support, and I'll check you next week.